Sukkah Per Gimel Mishnah Yud Aleph 3.11. This Mishnah has two separate parts. The first part wraps up the topic of Hal, and then we'll go back to the Abraminim. The Mishnah starts by saying, Makam Shinagu Lichvol Yichpol, which means literally a place where the custom is to repeat, you repeat. This is referring to the fact that that last chapter of Tehillim that's recited in Hallel, that's Kofir Ches. So most of the Psukim essentially have like a rep, some sort of duplication or repetition in the way they're set up. It's a little involved, you know, you, you recited it. Um, but those last nine Psukim there in the chapter don't have, that. they're said once. This is the verses that start from the words, Odecha. Kianisani, those last nine verses. So some have a custom to essentially say those twice. That certainly is a custom by um, Ashkenazi communities, as far as I know, across the board. Um, so if you have such a custom, then you should say it twice and repeat. And lifshot says the Mishnah. In contrast, if you're in a custom, if you're in a community where the custom is to simply say it as it is, meaning without repeating itself, yifshot, then do what they do and don't repeat. Similarly, levarech achrav, to make the bracha after recitation of the halal, that depends upon a minhag, custom, the bracha that ends yahalucha and ends with the words melech muhulah v'tishbachot. So if you have a custom to say that, or you're in a place where there's, excuse me, where there is a custom to say that, so then yivarech achrav, then you should. Hakol kamina gamadina, everything is according to the custom of the place you're at. As far as the bracha rishona goes, the bracha we recite before saying halal, um, that's a din all to itself, and one across the board does say that. Certainly, we're reciting the the full hal, all those six prakim. Although the actual nusach of the bracha is different, Minag Ashkenaz is likro um, esahalel, whereas I believe Minag Sfar across the board, Eid Mizrach, is ligmor esahalel. To read the halal, recite the halal is the Ashkenaz verse to complete, meaning the recitation of the. Hal in Edut Mizrach and Sephardi communities. Okay. Now, the second part of the Mishnah now, we're, we're done with Halal. We're going back now to buying your Esrog in a Shemitah year. Okay, I don't want to get into the actual truth that I shouldn't even said it that way. Um, I should say buying an Esrog that has Kedusha's Shvias, Shemitah Kedusha. The reason why I'm saying that is because the technicalities of which year of the seven-year cycle Esrog belongs to is a little involved. I'm just sidestepping that. But if you are dealing with the purchase of Armaminim and included is an Esrog which has Kedushas Shvia, Sanctity from the seventh year, so um, this gets complicated, as the Mishnah is pointing out here. And the reason why is because there's all sorts of halachas, the whole Masecha Shvias, that governs fruits um, that have seventh year status. They can't be sold commercially, they can't be sold in large uh, volume, and even if they're sold in a way that conforms with the halacha, um, there's a separate din of biur. Biur says that any seventh-year produce, even if they're permitted to consume, when they're no longer available on the trees for the wild animals, so then if you have some in your home, you have to um, rid your home of it. Either that means to be mafkarit or to destroy it, whatever the case is. So when you purchase fruit that has Kedusha Shvias, so the sanctity of Shemitah's produce, so then the Kedusha that's embedded in the fruit now invests itself in the money that was used to purchase the fruit, deconsecrating the fruit, which means that the seller now has a pocket full of change, and that change has Kedusha Shvias, the sanctity of Shemitah, and it also carries with it the responsibility for Bior. If he doesn't um, um, 
Machalel deconsecrate those coins by the time that the, let's say in the case of Esrog, time for Beer of Esrogim kicks in, the time to destroy Esrogim kicks in. So then you would have to destroy that money. And there's a big concern that if a person is an Am Haaretz, not especially adept and proficient in the halachas of Shemitah, he won't treat the money that he receives from selling Shemitah produce properly. And therefore there's a general rule, which is one is disallowed from purchasing Shemitah produce from an Amaretz because we're concerned about what he'll do with the money and if he's doing anything properly. So since that's the governing principle, if you're buying Arbaminim and it's one of the four Minim is the Esrog, the other three are not an issue, by the way. Um, the Pasuk, which specifies um, Shemitah, says, V'haisa Shaba Sa'aretz Lachem La'achla, the produce that grows in that rest year, the seventh year, will be for your consumption, um, which means only things that are uh, pro- that you consume are subject to the Hachs of Shemitah. Conventionally, consumption would mean eating them, but they're actually, as a side point, if any time where you're getting benefit from the food stuff or the produce um, while it's being destroyed, that would also be considered to be consumption. But in any case, that's certainly not the case when it comes to a lulav or a hadas or an arava, so therefore, those parts of a tree or plant are not subject to the halachas of Shemitah, but the esrog is. So how do you deal with the purchasing of esrog from an amaretz in the event that the esrog is invested with Kedusha Shviyas? So the Mishnah says, um, If you're purchasing your arbaminim, literally just your lulav, but it means all four species, and the Shemitah year, and you're talking about an esrog that has Kedusha Shviyas as part of the package there, no sunlo esrog matana. The request should be that I'll pay for you, I'll pay for the other three, but for the esrog, please throw it in for free. The fee, because you're not allowed to purchase esrogim, that are shemitah esrogim on the shemitah year. Again, that's not precisely true, but it certainly is true if the seller is an Ahmar. So that's what we're assuming over here. Since you can't buy it from him, he'll have to give it to you for free. And in the event he doesn't want to give it to you for free, because even if he's doing it properly lahalacha, it costs him time and money um, to go to the field and pick the esrogim and bring them to you. And he's certainly allowed to charge you for those parts, like the shipping and handling charges for the esrogim. But since you're not supposed to pay him for that, instead what you would do is you would do something called havla'a, you would, which is, um, it means like a absorbed in, swallowed up and included. The same way if a person, let's say, is hired and part of his job is to, say, be the guy who reads the Sefer Torah on Shabbos. So the shul can't pay him for reading the Sefer Torah on Shabbos because that's getting paid for work done on Shabbos. So you'd pay him to do the whole job, including, let's say, the preparation, and and your mavlia you include in the purchase price, or the, otherwise, or the, the price that you pay him for all his work, um, like one total amount, which subsumed in there will be the time he does some work for you on Shabbos proper. But you're paying him from, for stuff before Shabbos or after Shabbos um, that's what the money's going for, and everything else is rolled in. Same to here. You'd say, listen, do me a favor. I'll pay you, you know, a, you offer a larger sum than we normally have the case for the other three minim, and then you ask him to throw the esrog in for free. That's called, it's not a gift anymore because you're really paying economically the same, but this is called havla, and it's permitted, and that's the way one would go about doing it.